All right, everyone. Thank you for stepping into the Coach's Box for another episode. I'm your host, Coach JP3. I'm joined today by the real Coach K and Coach Natty T. We got a full slate of things ahead for you today. We're going to start off with a little bit of a Super Bowl recap. Yeah, it, Super Bowl wasn't quite so super if you weren't rooting for the Bucks. Uh, so we're going to start with uh, Coach K on this. What were your takeaways from the Super? I, as a matter of fact, I think it's I think it's it's only right that we give you your props. You were the only coach, literally the only coach, Coach Pace, Coach Murph, Coach Jay, and all the rest of us all picked Kansas City to win. You were the only one that picked Tampa Bay. Uh, so, you know, you did. You were. You know, it didn't start off well for you when you were picking off the playoff. You know, at first, you know, your record was not that, but you finished strong, and that's what matters. You finished strong. Yeah, so what were your takeaways from that game? <laughs> uh, my takeaways from that game, um, <laughs> the, we're I all feel like, our heads. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, uh, when Homeboy gave Tyreek Hill the, uh, the peace sign, I was just like, mm, mm. Um, I mean, Tom, Tom, Tom Brady is on paper. And when I say on paper, because of his championships, the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, he had what they said. He had like an 80%, um, 80 percentage, um, completed 80% of his passes in the first half. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, he can't catch a pass. I'll say that. No, you know, nobody's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> can't catch a pass. But yeah, I don't know, man. I I think the I I just really think that at the at the end of the day, just I think it was just the the defense. I mean, everything was just like Kansas City defense. Like I don't know what the heck was going on. There was, I mean, obviously, like they got all all types of penalties day day in and day out but i think almost 100 yards just, of penalties was, pretty much i know it was just it was just like it was so deflating like they would get a stop and then or like interception and then you get another penalty and it's just like what what is going on one thing i didn't understand was the uh the timeout the Kansas City timeout like right before the half ended just i don't know what they were trying to do with that I don't know if they felt that they could stop them and then try to get a, a cheap field goal or I, something like that. I don't know. I, but I mean, yeah, you know, that was that was the idea. Mm-hmm. We're too that, overzealous. That was stupid. I was just like the the first the first half is a watch. Just go ahead and get out of there and try to get your head straight. But I think they just got too far down, and then they're expecting to be. We all know Kansas City is like this team that can make this miraculous comeback in the you know in the second half, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's I I thought me personally I thought if they at least didn't like you know if they at least weren't down by like at least ten points the game was just going to pretty be pretty much over at that point and um <clears throat> I don't know without I mean he was missing two you know missing two starters on the line and we saw what that resulted in he was running for his boy, life all game boy did we see that. <laughs> I mean I've never I don't know I mean I. I, I don't really fault um, – I don't really fault 
Patrick Mahomes for I'll give him maybe twenty percent, I guess. But like I saw a lot of drop passes, um, coaching. I I put fifty percent of this on the coaching for sure. Thirty percent on thirty percent on the defense, man. That was just that was just I don't know, man. Like <clears throat> it's probably 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 borderline the worst Super Bowl I've ever seen. Everything from the halftime show all the way to the <laughs> I'm sorry, that was trash. You man. didn't he like the weekend. Nah, well, I mean, that's but that's the weekend though. That's his. That's his. I wasn't surprised by anything he did. That's his. I mean, that that's his style. Okay. Oh no, man! It must be for the young people, not for me. I'm cool. Yeah, that's his oh, style. That yeah. is. That is. Right. Yeah, I will. I will still say though. I I think. I think Tom, saying Tom Brady, I have to put like, I have to put an asterisk next to this championship win just because, like, <laughs> I mean, uh, you're look, such look, a hater, bro. Such I'm not, a I'm, hater. Not, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to keep it realistic, man. I'm trying to keep it realistic. I mean, like, Gronk, Gronk can still produce. I mean, I mean, look at his wide receivers too. Like that's 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 what I'm, I'm trying to keep everything in perspective. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. All right. Coach Natty T, what were your takeaways from the Super Bowl? Well, I have four. So, uh, yeah, first one, as I texted y'all before the Super Bowl, I was like, well, I've already conceded in my head that Tampa's going to win. <laughs> I couldn't change my pick, but there's like leading up to it, and, you know, because like the barber got COVID, it was just all those signs like, and they read some with the car accident. I was like, yeah, this is these, these were all signs that it was just not happening for the Chiefs. Um, but nevertheless, um, you know, Tom Brady, I think he obviously, you know, he's proved at least to be the greatest, you know, winning or winningest quarterback ever in, in you know, in, in team sports and American team sports. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I think it's still – you can still have the debate with other quarterbacks, I guess, with regards to is he the actual best quarterback just based on skill set and all of that. But I think it was really a testament to his, you know, football IQ because he was just playing chess. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just a masterful – it was a masterful game on his part. Nothing too flashy. He's just like, look. I'm going to take what the defense gives me, and then I'm going to play you guys on the string. You know, Kansas City is, is of course, some of the ticky-tack calls were a little annoying. But at the same yeah. time, and if you look at since Patrick Mahomes has, has been a starter, that defense has been the most penalized defense in the league, mm-hmm. and it's not even close. Mm-hmm. So when you look <laughs> at it, it, the problem was they weren't able to make it up on the offense. But really – that's their defense. They always get those little tiggy tack calls, those little, oh, they're grabbing at the five, six yard mark, you know, past the line of scrimmage. Like that's, that's their defense. They always do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't too mad at some of the calls. Cause again, I mean, that's what Kansas city does. They just didn't have the offense this time to kind of overshadow it. Second takeaway, Todd Bowles. I mean, man, just, masterful yes um i thought he did a tremendous job obviously it's a little easier when you know 
the Chiefs two starting tackles are out, but still, I mean, you know, they they really stuck to their game plan with regards to Tyreek Hill. And I think they knew they had a sense of how Kansas City was going to react. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to my third point. Um despite the pass rush, I thought Patrick, I'm not going to blame it on Patrick Mahomes, but he didn't have a good game. And obviously there were some miss, some miss uh, or some drops, I should say, on the receiver's end because, you know, some of those passes he was making, like, you know, with his body like halfway off yeah. the ground. And yeah. So it was like I mean, parallel were, to the ground throwing the yeah. ball. And then, yeah. I mean, right. those were, those were fantastic plays without a doubt, but I think really looking at it, I still thought he could have done a better job evading the rush. Mm. I felt like, and obviously with them being down, it doesn't help, but I felt like he kind of abandoned the the play a little bit too early sometimes. And I felt like he started, he panicked a little too early sometimes mm-hmm. where as soon as he was getting it and soon as he like saw you know, JPP just kind of even barely get around the corner. He's already starting to run back out. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like there were some instances where he could have done a little bit better evading the rush. And I felt like he should have basically kind of take a page out of Tom's Brady, Tom Brady's book and just taken what the defense gave him instead of trying to force it down the field. Cause I felt like that's why he felt like he had to run backwards and do all that stuff. Cause he's trying to create time in his head mm-hmm. all down the field when instead of looking at it and saying, okay, they're playing two deep safeties. Let me get the underneath. There's a, there's a whole gap right there in the middle of the yes. field. Yeah. Just let me take, let me take those little five yard, six yard passes. So instead of it being third and 15, it's third and three, it's third and four. Maybe, you know, that helps you out a little bit better. So mm-hmm. I thought he did a – I don't think he did a good job managing the game. But, again, I don't put the blame on him. Ultimately, which leads to my fourth point, I thought Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy did a horrible job. Horrendous. The worst job I've seen them do. And I got to – and, again, I'm calling out Eric Bieniemy because I, I get try to give him credit, you know, up to this point for him calling the plays because everybody likes to give Andy Reid credit. But – Listen, I, I thought they didn't help Patrick Mahomes. They're still calling the same plays. Like, take what the defense gives you. Like, quit trying to force it to Tyreek. Because you can tell that was his first look to see where Ty- Every time. Tyreek was. Every time. And it's like, dude, they're, they got the two deep safeties, and they're doubling him. Just like Kelsey had a pretty good game, right? I mean, obviously, he had that one big drop on third down. Mm-hmm. But he still had a Travis Kelsey-like game. And you have other receivers. Just take the little four or five yard pass and just move on to the next play and just methodically move down the field. But I thought I thought they did a horrible job. I thought I was very surprised because the reason why I ultimately picked Kansas City, even though I wasn't confident about it, I just trusted in their game planning with two weeks mm-hmm. that you know you have your two missing tackles. So, okay, yes. you're going to have your game plan. We're going to do what we do. But they didn't have any backup plan whatsoever. No. So that tells me that, like, just the the arrogance and the cockiness was a little too high on their part. 
Um, so I, I really blame them a lot in this game. And even just, you didn't help Patrick Mahomes. Like there's other ways to neutralize a pass rush, like get him moving outside the pocket, make a little design bootleg, little four yard pass. Mm-hmm. You have other tight ends, like bring an extra tight end on JPP side. You know what I'm saying? Like double mm-hmm. him. Y'all just left the Mike Rimmers guy one-on-one the whole game. Like, Bring an extra tight end and help on that side. You know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't do any of that. So yeah. I, I thought I thought Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy did atrocious jobs. And I hate to say that. I hate to say this, but I mean, based on that, like Eric Bieniemy, you need you definitely not getting a head coaching job. That no. was horrible. No. Absolutely horrible. Todd Bowles not probably get a head coaching job before he does. Even Byron Leftwich. I mean, Byron Leftwich, yeah. Because he did a great job too, but I, I thought that was the most disappointing part to me. Because I, I thought I think one of their best attributes over the past three years has been their preparation, even on defense, mm-hmm. has been their preparation. And you could just tell they had no backup plan whatsoever for what Tom Brady brought and what yeah. they did. Because Tom Brady was like, "All right, we're going to methodically move the ball down the field. I'm not worried about getting a big play. It'll come. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to take this little six-yard pass here." 10-yard pass here, you know, we're going to hand the ball off to, to Fournette. He's going to get a good chunk of yards. And then I'm going to do play action and have y'all on the string. Oh, by the way, I know Tyron Matthew and your cornerbacks, you're a little extra grabby. So you know what? I'm going to just test you every now and then, and mm-hmm. then we're going to get the call. Mm-hmm. That's he, he played it masterfully. Yeah. So that was my takeaways from the game. Yeah, I don't have too much more to add to that, uh, really. I, I was – extremely disappointed in the coaching and play calling there. I wasn't, I wasn't disappointed in the defensive coordinator because we already know what their defense is. Like, yeah, that's what they're going to do. Like, yeah. As you know, I what that was one of my fears going into the game is that the chiefs defense is extremely vulnerable. They're more of an opportunistic defense that if they can get turnovers, they can get momentum and then they start to play a little bit better. And yep. then they end up more of a bend, but not break at times. But when you have Tom Brady on the other end, who especially you can tell who critically watches film and who doesn't at times. And I hate to say that because everybody's getting paid and they're all professionals, but you can tell like when someone sees something that says, okay, I got him now. I got him now. I know exactly mm-hmm. what to do because I mean, Breland was getting torched in this game, like absolutely dominated. It, it was it was it was king all over again, you know, mm-hmm. for the Packers. It was this literally the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to keep getting these penalties, uh, and and yes, Tom Brady does have a a great receiving core, and that certainly helps. But still, you got to get him the ball, and still you got to get, uh, you got to, you know, take what the defense gives you in a way that is still going to produce yardage. Because I think people look at stats and say, oh, for for example, oh. Uh, Brady had a a 35-yard touchdown pass to Gronk or something like that. Well, yeah, it was a 35-yarder, but he only threw the ball like 10 yards. And then, like Gronk got the rest of the yards. You know, so like that's that's and I was I was just sorely disappointed in the lack of creativity on the Chiefs end. Like I, I was like, oh, okay, they're gonna bring out some stuff we haven't seen before. That's what I was expecting. Like they got some stuff in their back pocket and they've been waiting for this moment to be able to bring it out. We saw that in last year's Super Bowl. And they even brought out the option 
You know, so remember at the goal line against San Francisco, they brought out the mm-hmm. option and it worked because everybody was like, oh, shoot, we've never, we never seen Kansas City do that before. I was expecting some of that kind of stuff. You got your backs healthy. Best way to, to slow down a pass rush is to get the ball out quick. Now they got to respect you at some point. Even if you, you know you're not going to be able to run the ball consistently against Tampa Bay, it's just not going to happen. They're just too good for that. You know, you run it every now and then, keep them a little honest but use that short passing game as an extension of your running game. But in the second half, like, Alaire was getting chunks of yards. He was. Yeah, um, I was like, why don't y'all, like, just I – mean, came out. They came out the half, you know, and, and I was like, okay, this is what I've been Oof. waiting for. And then they just stopped with the creativity. And I agree with you, Coach Natty T. If – I'm like, why is Mahomes, like, turning his back all the time, like, running away? Like, just, just get the ball out. Like – Kelsey, Kelsey should have had 200 yards in that game. Like, like no, I, honestly. like Easily. Easily. You could have got him because no one's really going to be able to guard him, guard him. And the Bucs, you know, their linebackers, Devontae Davis, stuff like that. I mean, hey, they, they play good defense. But they're not going to be able to guard him every play. And so you're going to be able to find <laughs> spots in that. You know, it, I, I see them using their other receivers. Just do some slant patterns. Watch because that's Watkins, that middle of the field was open pretty much the entire game. Even like they they didn't use Le'Veon Bell at all. Like at this, all. Would, this would have been perfect. Like those little just yes. just cover out the backfield, just dump it off to him real quick. I mean, yes. that was they didn't even use him at all. I was like, Yo, that's what we man. talked about last week. I said, man, you got Le'Veon Bell who's finally in a Super Bowl, and and he's one of the best pass catching backs in the league. And you this, got was a, that, this was the game for that. As a game. rusher, you can just dump it off to him. Dump it off. He can get five yards. And then, again, now you're in third and one, third and yes. two, instead of third and 15. And now the defense doesn't know what you're going to do on third and one and third and two. Because you Nothing. could hand the ball off. You could pass it. And as we saw, Mahomes is talented enough that all else fails. All right, I'll just run it. And I get a few yards, run out of bounds. Like, mm-hmm. he had pretty much like 70 yards at halftime. Like, he just running mm-hmm. the ball, just escaping. Yep. I, I was just extremely disappointed in that. Uh, but much respect to to Ty Bowles and that defense and, and the whole coaching staff for the Bucks. Man, they called <clears> a great <throat> game on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Uh, was... They didn't panic. They were disciplined and they were patient. And we see what happens when people are undisciplined and impatient against a talented team. You lose severely yeah. in the Super Bowl. Go ahead, you can I'll see just... their confidence growing too on defense because I felt like they knew – they knew the game plan, but I think they were expecting, okay, what's Kansas City's reaction? And then once they realized they didn't have a backup plan, they're like, oh, yeah. we're about to kill these two. It's like, who doesn't have a backup plan <laughs> yeah. when you're down two offensive linemen against a, a really good defense and arguably the greatest quarterback? Oh, there has to be. I would understand if their first two drives, they tried to, like, do their thing, and then they're like, okay, well, we're going to switch it up now. That's what separates good from coaches from great coaches, and we did not see that on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was really impressed with uh, Leonard Fournette's uh, performance too. He played hard, man. He that, did. That was great. He did a great job, and it even though I wanted Kansas City to win, I was still happy for a lot of the Tampa yeah. Bay players that were mm-hmm. finally getting their ring. Me, right. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. I, I man, caught a touchdown dude. pass. I, I don't like him at all. I have a love-hate relationship with A.B. because cool he was one of my man. favorite players in the league, and he he just started being a, a, a real bad human. And uh, But I respect his game. And so maybe this does some some positive 
things for him and, and says, you know, I did it. Let me settle down. But I think we didn't hear anything from AB all season long. All season Again, you got to get to Tom about- Brady. You got to get to yeah, Tom Brady because he was living with Tom Brady. Exactly. So, yeah, you got to give Tom Brady credit. Yeah, I, I think I think there's something there where he's made so many mistakes and he's been so many, you know, just been a bad human, like I said before. But <laughs> I didn't hear about Antonio Brown this year. Right. I think that speaks to uh, – I guess the thing I really do respect about Tom Brady is just I feel like he can get – he can – I think he can like um, – I guess you could say like a Jordan, he can get – the best out of any anybody he plays with I feel like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um I think he can also get the worst um out of people too it's like it, we definitely saw that where he was you know jaw jacking some of the defensive players and I think that totally just threw, threw, threw them off their game mm-hmm. so and I think that's um I think that greatness isn't all about just uh, I, I think like great players, it, it's not just about like you know skill set or you know how many touchdown passes you throw or how many championships, but also the mentality. So I think I think Tom Brady definitely proved that too. For sure, for sure, it's gonna be interesting. He says he's coming back, so we'll see what happens next season. But it's just crazy. The team didn't even make the playoffs last year, and now they won the Super Bowl. So yeah, I mean, they also added like five players to that team. Let's not let's not like let's not say. I say, in all fairness, at least two of those pieces were added because of Brady. Rock and AB is because of Brady. And Brady's not there. And Fournette. 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 So three. That's three of their pieces there because you got you got the you know the 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 main guy. Then you're going to get the other guys to come too, and that's just. You know, if they get – if they stay with Jameis Winston, those guys aren't coming over there. You know, if, if they get even a still good quarterback but someone that's below Tom Brady status, those guys aren't coming over there. So. I don't know, man. Yeah, Tom – I don't know. Tom Brady, man. He's he's something else. He, he really is. is. He is. He's something else. Can't can't hate on him. Uh, no, I can't. You can't. You can't. I mean, you can. You. I mean, you definitely can. But I mean, you know, it, it's just. It, it's pretty mind blowing, man. He's. I mean, he's forty three years old. Like that's. Like he should not be playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, nah. nah. It's crazy. Uh, man, but yeah, I mean, we're witnessing greatness, and I think even though we, it may not be our favorite player, our favorite team, we should still appreciate it. You know, that's one thing. I did not do with Kobe Bryant's career. I did not do with Tim Duncan's career. I couldn't stand when they would win because they were beating Iverson. They were beating, um, you know, some of the other teams that I wanted to win. But hey, hats off, hats off to them. Yep. All right. But we're gonna get we last week we talked about our All Star team starters. So this time we're gonna go with the reserves and just kind of talk about from each conference who we think. Uh, deserves, uh, you know, the the um, the reserve spots for the team. And so we're going to start with Coach Natty T. Uh, if you want to start with your Eastern Conference squad. All right. So, well, I guess to recap, my starters for the East, Kyrie, James Harden, uh, KD, Giannis. 
Joel Embiid. <laughs> so uh, my reserves, uh, Bradley Beal, uh, Trey Young, uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Malcolm Brogdon, um, Bam, yeah, Bam Adebayo, and then Julius Randle. That's my East reserves. So okay. um, now I'm missing some other players in there, but again, just and again, just my this is just my little pet peeve. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, especially from a starter position, and of course I got the Nets in there, but I and I admit I'm biased towards kind of star players, not only just how they play, but I, I like seeing big names. I want to see the big names in there. Um, big markets. I like mm-hmm. that. So again, people can be mad at me, but that's just, that's just how I feel. You know, I want to see the big players, the big time players and the big time moments making big time plays. And if they don't make big time plays, I'm a criticizer. Because right. if you're a superstar, yeah, I expect a certain level. Mm-hmm. So you know, if they don't deliver, I'll be the first to criticize them. But I do like seeing them in those positions. Um, and then Bradley Bill, I just have to put him in there. I mean, he's leading the league in scoring. But, you know, typically with him being on a team that has the worst record in the league, that's why – that's my – that's the only reason why I don't have him as a starter. If they were at least, like, in contention a little bit to make the playoffs, yes. he would definitely be a starter for me. Okay. I think saw seeing the all-star voting, it looks like he's going to be a starter anyway. So, you know, that that's fine. But again, this is just my list, my criteria. So y'all can kick rocks. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody else on my East list, looking at the playoff standings, at least, you know, in that top contention status, mm-hmm. um, that's where I kind of made my picks from for the East. Okay. Uh, so what we'll, we'll do is we'll do East for everyone and then, and then West for everyone. That was, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's my East, and then yeah, I'll do the West next. Okay, awesome, Coach K. You better not have any Chicago Bulls in your Eastern reserves. I no, absolutely not. I, no. I will. I will mute your mic. So, I so I I was close to picking Zach Levine because I think he's played very well. But again, yeah. like for me, I just couldn't reward him over some of these other guys where. Their teams are in the playoffs and they're playing, you know, they're playing fantastic. So yeah. I just couldn't put him over some of those other teams. But I mean, he's playing great. So it's not yeah. necessarily an indictment on his play. It's just, you know, I feel like, especially in basketball, you should be able to influence your team to yes. at least be in contention yeah. at some point. So that's me. Okay. All right. Coach K, what's your E squad look like? Your reserves? So my reserves. I got Jason Tatum. I wanted to put Jimmy Butler because I feel like he's eventually going to get the heat back to where they need to be. But he's just been hurt a lot, man. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to take him off and I got to put Jalen Brown. Mm -hmm. I got Kyrie. <laughs> These are easy, man. These are not easy. Damn, I know it's not. Uh, man, I'm trying to think. If there's like somebody I'm missing. I know there probably is. Um, uh, I got Bam too. Oh, Bam, I buy. Okay. Um, hold up. I gotta. I gotta make a. Few. 
Nigga, edit so you were so indecisive. You were so indecisive. He's got put Zach Levine. He's got put Jesus. Hey, it's your list, man. It's your list. I'm sorry. Mute my mic if you want, but people got to hear the truth. All right, that's all I gotta say. It wouldn't be right for me to censor you, Coach K. So (laughs) I guess. All right, that's your list. It's your list, man. It's your list. All right. Well, that's, you know, those are good lists. I, I mean, like, I, I think we both, we, we rewarded Bradley Bill, who's on a losing team. And so for you to, exactly <clears throat> being, that's not too far-fetched. It's just, I think Bradley Bill has played better on a losing team than Zach Levine has played on a losing team. So that's why I had him in there. So I can't, I can't knock you for that though, but. All right, so my East Reserves actually um, had Chris Middleton on there, uh, averaging 21, 6, and 6. Uh, and you're looking at, you know, the Bucks being, um, you know, toward the top of the Eastern Conference there. And so I, I felt that they, you know, they're number two in the East. I just felt like, you know, he, he deserved that. Um, I had Jason, I have Jason Tatum. I put Brown in the starting lineup only because – Brown is the guard and Tatum is the forward. And so just to keep the positions equal, I have Tatum on, on the bench. He's had a phenomenal season. I too had Trey Young. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because sometimes it's out of sight, out of mind for folks. Uh, but if you actually watch Atlanta Hawks games, like that boy's good. Like he, it, he's really, and he changes the dynamic of that team. And they're and number if, six in the East right now. They're competitive. Yes, they're competitive. So I got to give it to him. I, so, yeah, I got to reward that. Um, I actually had Gordon Hayward for a similar reason. Uh, I look at the, the Hornets being number seven. So they're ahead of Atlanta. And who's the most productive player on that team? Gordon Hayward. Uh, and so just to share a little bit of, of Hayward's stats here. So you have uh, 23, five and four is what he's averaging. And so for the Hornets to, you know, they're an exciting team to watch. And so you have him and Rozier and Lamelo and gang, uh, but Hayward is leading the way in that. So I, I thought he deserved to be in there. I too had Julius Randle. I can't believe the New York Knicks are actually kind of relevant. Um, you know, people are actually talking about them in a positive light, which we haven't seen that in quite some time. Uh, they're outside of the playoff race right now, uh, but they're number 10. So they're, they're, you know, they're right there. And uh, you know, Randall's numbers is, you know, 22, 11, and six is pretty much what he's doing over there. So rewarding, rewarding him for that. And then lastly, uh, looking for another big, I, I decided to put in um, Sabonis from the Pacers. Uh, so I went with him. Uh, and I mean, the Pacers are, are fifth in the Eastern Conference. They're at a 500 record, but they're still fifth in the Eastern Conference. And so Sabonis, uh, Demonte Sabonis is 21, 11, and 6. I'm like, hey, you know, the best all-around stats on that team, they're right there smack dab in the middle of the conference. I should reward the big man there. Uh, so those are the folks that, that I had um, for my Eastern Scott. Uh, so Coach Natty T, we'll go to you, and we'll start uh, – we'll do your Western Conference. Yeah, so Western Conference, and I got to make a slight edit from last week because um, you have to have two backcourt players and three frontcourt players because I have Paul George in my starters. 
but technically he's a front court player, so I needed to get another guard. So starters for the West, Steph, uh, Dame Dalla, LeBron, Kawhi, and the Joker. That's mm-hmm. my starting five for the mm-hmm. West. Mm-hmm. Okay, so starting with reserves, Paul George. Um, I have Luka Doncic, I have Donovan Mitchell, I have Anthony Davis. Um, I actually have Zion in there. Yeah. Um, Devin Booker and DeMar DeRozan. That's okay. my okay. That's my West Reserve. So, yeah, that's just kind <laughs> of again, just based on teams that are in the playoffs, least in contention, playing well. All, all the combination uh, of all those aspects there. So that's what uh, that's my Western reserves. Okay, Coach K, who's who you got in the Wild Wild West? I got Luca, Curry, mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell, because I, I feel like I I'm a little hesitant about this one, but. Uh, Rudy Gobert. <laughs> I, he's not having a bad season at all, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're number one in the West. They're number one. They're number one. Um, and then I was kind of torn between this one, but <sighs> John Morant. I do like John Morant. I love John Morant. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorites. Okay. Okay. Uh, my list doesn't differ too much from you all. And, and just, I added an extra player because I thought that there would be at least more than five people on the bench. So I was like, you know, these five and then maybe a possible uh, add in. But alternate. Alternate. Yeah. Cause I think it's, um, it's cause it's the total roster is 12. So that's why, that's why I had so many reserves. I had seven reserves. Seven reserves. Yeah. 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 Cause I think it's, it's 12. It is, it is, yeah. I should have added one, to get one each. Um, to my, uh, so I'm thinking I had Devin buckets because that dude is a walking talking bucket. Uh, Luka Doncic, you know, I, I have him on mine as well, and he's actually not playing as to the degree that I expected him to be playing this year. He's had some some roller coaster parts to the, to the first half of this season, but still good enough to earn a, a reserve spot in the Western Conference. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, uh, I had Kawhi in my starting, so PG-13 is on is on the bench uh, for me reserves. Uh, he's, I mean, we talk about playoff P and how he doesn't show up in the playoffs, but hey, this is a regular season, first half of the season award, you know, type of recognition, so he does deserve that. I, too, had Zion on there. Uh, and then my, um, my six was actually uh, DeAndre Ayton. So I'm looking at if you have fourth in the Western Conference, and I wanted to reward Chris Paul so much for this because I think he is the cog that is making this go. Uh, but you know, just looking at the numbers, uh, looking at big men in the Western Conference and, you know, looking through their stats. And I, I, I want our listeners to kind of look through the stats of the big men in the West. There's not a lot of high performers outside of once you get outside of the, the Anthony Davis and the uh, Jokic and stuff like that. You don't get a lot of big numbers from your big men. Uh, even Rudy Gobert, as good as he's playing, is still like a, a 14, 11, and two guy, you know. So, but I have Aiton, he's a, he's 14, 13, and two. Uh, and so for that, 
as a big man in the West, that's number four, decided to recognize him. So those are, those are my reserves for the West. Uh, our other uh, part was we wanted to do kind of our um, midseason awards and just see, you know, kind of who are we thinking about now for MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and our uh, first team All-NBA team. Uh, and so, Coach Natty T, we'll start with you, and you can go in any order you like. All right, so MVP so far, Joel Embiid, he's like finally playing with some finally. sort of like aggression. I mean, it's like, man, it's about time. So he looks, <laughs> he looks fantastic, and I, I love to see it. Um, so defensive player of the year, I actually have Miles Turner. Yeah. He's actually leading the league in blocks right He's now. He's a blocking so. machine over three a game, man. Yeah, yeah, like that's pretty that's <laughs> that's pretty good. So so far, I'll I'll give him the nod. Um, my all NBA team right now, um, Steph Curry. Said yeah. I said what I said, but he's looking fantastic. He heard you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey man, listen, I just that was my honest opinion. So you know, but he he looks fantastic. So he's he's on my all NBA first team All NBA. Um, I have Kawhi Leonard, and then I have. Uh, KD, LeBron, and then Joel Embiid. Okay. That's my first team on NBA. I just think those those five are kind of the ones that have stood out the most to me so far this season, just in terms of just impact and just kind of the, I guess the old notion of leaping off of my screen, if you will. Yes. When you know when you're watching games or when you're seeing highlights, like those are five guys that really like stand out to me as like you know those are the five best guys right now in the league mm -hmm. so um so yeah that's what i that's my all nba squad so okay. far okay not mad at that at all coach k what are you thinking mvp defensive player of the year and all nba first team my mvp is uh joel mb I mean, he's he's by far exceeded expectations, um, and I think he's I think he I think his level of play is going to continue. I mean, I think they're going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals this year, like mm -hmm. no doubt about it. So I just I just hope they I hope they're able to um, get get to the championship because you know, like like Coach Natty T said, he's finally playing with some aggression, and you know he's showing like what a uh what a skilled big man actually should look like in today's league so it's 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 really good to see that mm -hmm. defensive player of the year um i want to say i i want <laughs> if i had to pick one probably it would probably be i think it's going to end up going to Rudy Gobert again <laughs> That seems to be the trend nowadays, but um, I would no, like statistically to he's because I, I looked up the odds. He's actually like the has the highest yeah. odds of winning. I Man. saw that. Yeah, but surprisingly, um, um, Ben Simmons has actually been doing really well. So I think it'd be interesting to see um, a guard because we haven't seen that since what Gary Payton days. Yeah, I think he was the last, or what? Maybe yeah. was it Ron Artest was the last kind of. You know, non big right. man to win defensive player. Yeah. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think. Do you count Kawhi as a as a big? Then he get defensive player of the year. Get the, he's oh, okay. he's one defensive player of the year, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. So he's probably yeah he's probably the last one. Yeah, he's the okay. last one. Okay. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> now I I know we, this you didn't make mention of this, but I gotta I gotta give a nod for coach of the year. I gotta give a nod to my man. Oh, yeah. really. Because he's doing incredible things. Oh my God. <laughs> really? You no. Coach K always finds a way. Always <laughs> finds a way to slide in some type of props for Chicago. <laughs> Coach of the year. You're not even close to the playoffs right now. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I, all right. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Oh. Um, so that's fine. You should have saw that coming, man. Yeah. <laughs> for my um <laughs> All right, for my first team All NBA, um, LeBron, Curry, MB. I mean, my list isn't too much different from yours. KD. Coach K always looks so stressed. Man, I, so I know more, stressed, bro. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Giannis, man. Okay. Giannis. Gotcha. I'm, Coach Natty T doesn't like that. I can already tell. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, it's fine. Again, that I, it's just my opinion on Giannis, but but you go ahead, Coach James Three. I'll, I'll try and it again. Okay. I mean, and, and this is I mean, this is the end of the season. We we have a lot of game left left to play. We have a lot of season left and you never know what's going to happen before then. Yeah. Uh, I tried to take that into account when picking mine as uh, as well. As not just who's doing well right now, but who I think is going to be able to keep it up. Right. For oh, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. all defensive. Um obviously uh Miles Turner, um yeah. Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons, Kawhi, I think, will be in the mix. Um, Patrick Beverly. Uh, don't no, I'm we don't we don't speak that name on this show. We don't do that. Thank um, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right. This one was really tough. I actually went a different direction a little bit, a little bit. So for MVP, I actually went with Jokic on this. And this is my prediction that he is going to um, surpass Embiid as a favorite. I think right now he's number two, as people keep talking about him. as like, hey, it's the return of the big man for MVP, uh, but Embiid is still first. I predict that Jokic is going to be that. Okay, so just... And I, I give you some justification for that. Uh, so Embiid is numbers are, are ridiculous right now. He's 30, 11, and three. Like that's, that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. I, uh, you know, first in the East, I, I, you know, they, they talked about Philadelphia's record being the same as it was last year, but it's a different team. It's a different vibe over there in Philly. Uh, they're actually playing better uh, defense uh, this year. And I'll, I'll bring that back later. So I picked Jokic, and we saw the stat. We heard the stats there. Well, Jokic is averaging 27, 11, and 9 because he's a better passer, right? So he's going to get those assist numbers up. 
just as good at rebounding and slightly less in points. So I went with the better all around uh, because I don't think there's that big of a gap between them. So I went with Jokic for that. Defensive player of the year, that's where I went with Embiid. And no one's talking about Embiid for defensive player of the year, but Joel Embiid has the best balance of big men when it comes to steals and, and block ratios. So Gobert is high on the blocks, not so much on the steals. Turner is high on the blocks, not so much the steals. You know, so when you're averaging, you know, 2.5 to 3 blocks a game and steals a game as a center, I decided to reward that. Also, Philadelphia is the t- in the top three in the league and steals per game, steals and blocks per game in the league. And so who's the backbone of that defense is Joel Embiid. Uh, and so I, I decided that he, you know, to reward him for that. So even though maybe one person has a more blocks per game or another person has more steals per game, he has the best balance of both. Uh, not really saying anything extra with the uh, first teams. I, I thought I needed to be consistent. So if I'm going to put Jokic as the MVP, then I need to put him as uh, the center and my all. Oh, it has to be. First team. Right, right. <laughs> it, it, would be, it would be ridiculous for me not to. Uh, so I have Jokic, Kawhi, KD, LeBron, Curry. So those, those are the lists there. Uh, so we'll yeah, see man. what happens. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, Gian, yeah, as you can see, Giannis is not in my, not in my list at all. <laughs> He'll probably get it though. He'll probably get no, it. He's he's gonna get it. No, no he's, he's going to get it. But Euro, hey man, don't diss the Euro step. That's the only thing that got. Yeah. But I'm just saying, but if you notice every game where it's a close game, they end up losing because he just, he can't, he doesn't do anything. Listen. Because who were they playing the other night? They were playing. um, They played Phoenix the other night, right? Phoenix the other night. Yeah, it was a close game. And then. I mean, at that point, like, it's, man, maybe you should just get a different coach. Somebody needs to be challenging him. I think he's the basketball version of Lamar Jackson. I think, to be honest, I think. I mean, if you so, I mean, you see, and Deontay you see, Wilder, and Deontay Wilder. <laughs> so, I, I feel like I feel like the coach is like is the person that kind of push you over the edge. I mean, you, so we see what Doc Rivers has done with the 76ers, mm-hmm. getting the best out of Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. I think that I think if you you need to find somebody that can actually take Giannis to the next level. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, it's just, we just haven't seen the growth from Giannis from year to year. Like we've seen a lot of these other players and a lot of that is, I mean, it's, it's on the player too, because even if you have a coach that isn't facilitating your growth in the NBA, you can still shine. I think they're a little bit more dependent in the NFL than in the NBA. Uh, but, you know, the reason why I said Lamar Jackson is because uh, I don't see as much growth from Lamar Jackson and throwing the football as I'd like to see. And part of that is because the offensive play calling Greg Roman caters to that type of style, but there's, there's a, a notion that you can cater too much to the quarterback's strengths without challenging them to grow. And so that's why I feel that both him and boot, uh, you know, both, both of those teams respectively are not challenging their star players enough. Yeah. I, well, to be somewhat fair to Giannis, and I guess we can probably talk about this on the future. So 
um, or future show, I should say. Um, I feel like Giannis is, a, you know, a victim or a product of today's NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, Coach Wakeup had uh, put that article on uh, what Kevin Garnett had to say about the yeah. league today in comparison to the past. Mm-hmm. And I feel like because the league has become so specialized and spaced out, Mm-hmm. It's hurt to Giannis's detriment. Yeah, because during you know the first three quarters, when people are just literally running to the corner and standing there shooting threes, and the court's so open, he's able just to literally because all he does, he just and and what I admire about him is his work ethic, aggression, because he just goes hard. He yeah. pretty much most of his points come from hustle points. The fact mm-hmm. that he's freakishly athletic and get up and down the court and just runs right down the middle of the court and then dunks on everybody. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the game, when it's close, you know, things tend to shrink a little bit. And then it's like, shrinks. oh, shoot, what do I do? So I, I think he's part of partially a victim of today's NBA where, again, it's just so – it's become so specialized with, with, with what certain guys are able to do, you know, it's not like in the past where like, not to say that these guys don't earn their points now, but you had to like earn your points back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you really had to earn every single point. Yeah. Where it was, even if you got to the line, like you was getting hurt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it was much tighter. It was like at the end of the game right now where you're talking about, it was like that for four quarters. It was like that for yeah. four quarters. So it's yeah. a different style. So, I mean, that, to be fair to Giannis, I think he's somewhat of a victim of that. But at the same yeah. time, I just – if he just does one more Euro step and spins to the right, I'm just like, dude. He will. <laughs> he will. So predictable. And it's he, hard to watch. watch. Yeah. He's, he's going to say your name when he's doing that Euro step. I guess so. He can say it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but that's, I'm just that's, like, dude, I just, that, it's so frustrating to watch. And that's also due to the comparison. That's why I made the comparison because the Ravens' offense is very predictable as well. Yeah. When, when, when things get tight, you, you, you could be watching it as a spectator and be like, run, run, pass, pass, run. You could just kind of call the players out as, as what's going to happen. So we could see that. We know people that are watching the film, preparing Absolutely. for these teams could see that eventually, especially if you got talent to be able to stop. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know, man. But yeah, I knew it was very telling when they played the Suns the other night and the ball was in Giannis's hands at the end of the game. And really, nobody gave it a second thought. They were like, okay, go ahead, shoot that. That's no, fine they asked, Devin, they asked Devin Booker after the game. He was like, yeah, what were your thoughts when Giannis had the ball? He was like, oh, we're good. We're in good hands. <laughs> You're in good hands by having the ball in another star player, another team star player hand at the end but of the game. Even when they played the Nets on Martin Luther King Day, we know the Nets' issues on defense. Atrocious. He couldn't even, he couldn't even score in that game towards the end of the game. Yep. Nope. <laughs> like the Nets was like, all right, let's just kind of just play a little zone. And he was lost. And that's mm-hmm. the Nets. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a problem. That's that very telling. That's very telling. All right. Well, we shall see what happens. Uh, so we're going to get to, you know, we like to do these uh, just kind of hot topics, stuff that, that not everyone is talking about. Uh, and so our first one is going to be uh, women in male professional sports. Uh, so, Coach Natty T, you threw this one out here 
uh, out to the group to talk about. Uh, what were you thinking about as far as women and male professional sports? Yeah, I guess, I guess where I was going is, I guess, what, what our thoughts are on, on the future of, you know, women in professional sports. I mean, we've seen, um, obviously, the first female ref to, you know, ref the Super Bowl. Yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, you know, Becky Hammond looked like she's well on her way to be being an NBA head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw, you know, with the Washington football team, they've hired first, you know, African-American woman assistant running backs coach, which is, you know, that's, that's a big deal. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's just an interesting thing to see, you know, how is that going to evolve in the future of male sports as a whole? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, talking to certain, or, you know, they've asked, uh, at least locally, they've asked, um, you know, a lot of the Washington football player, uh, you know, teammates, specifically the running back uh, players, um, they asked their thoughts about her and I was like, Hey man, listen, she like, she knows her stuff. Like we really don't care if she's a woman or not. Like we just want somebody that's going to know their stuff and be sharp. Stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, we have a question, they can answer it and, you know, they can come in and be prepared. So I just, I think it's a good thing to see. Um, I've always thought, I guess, even leaning more towards a basketball conversation, I've always thought it was kind of preposterous why, it was, it's, this hasn't happened before with mm-hmm. women, you know, coaching men because mm-hmm. it's like, like women can hoop, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so you're telling me like she doesn't know enough about basketball to coach male sports? Because mm-hmm. really the biggest difference is the athleticism part, but the game is the same. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So from an IQ standpoint, because even like, a, um, what's her name? Last name is... Uh, Lieberman, Nancy Lieberman. Nancy Lieberman. Because yep. she coached uh, like the big three. She coached them to the title. Yeah. And those are like veteran ex-NBA players. They trusted her to know what she's doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like, I've always just felt like it's, it's, it's one of those barriers the same way that we've kind of talked about, you know, African-American male coaches, whether it be in the NFL, whether it be in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I've always felt like it's just, the typical white establishment, elite establishment, wanting to kind of control things and just the fear base of, oh, well, you know, if we let these these black guys coach or we let these women coach, you know, there's less opportunities for my buddy over here. Mm -hmm. He can't get the job. So Mm -hmm. I've always felt like that was the true, like that was a true motivation as to why there hasn't been more female coaches or just, or even female refs or, or, or whatever, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I've always felt like that's, that's always been the true reason why, but you know, that whole notion of, well, I mean, I mean, she's a woman, she can't really coach professional males for us. They're not going to listen to her. I'm like, listen, man, these women can hoop now. Mm-hmm. Get it twisted. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I, that, I just always thought that was preposterous. So I just think it's a good thing to see. And, you know, I hope things continue to progress in the future because you know how things tend to change sometimes, but That's right. um, but that was kind of my my thoughts on it as far as where I was kind of thinking when I put it in the chat as a suggestion. Absolutely, excellent. Uh, those are good points, Coach K. What comes to mind when you're thinking about this? We think about what uh, Coach Natty T said about uh, women in male professional sports. I think that's um, awesome to see, <clears throat> um, especially I mean having the. <clears throat> you know, from the Super Bowl to starting to see 
uh, more female refs actually in the, uh, you know, uh, refing games in the NBA. Um, I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's kind of sad to see, like, it, it's taking this long, you know, for it to be socially, I mean, I don't know if it's, like, culturally acceptable or socially acceptable, whichever you want to say, but mm-hmm. um, I think today's generation is more open to that. And, you know, like what Coach Natty T is saying, I mean, just because, like, there might be a, a difference in, like, athleticism doesn't mean they, that they don't know that, you know, women don't know what they're doing or, you know, they don't know, like, um, I think they can know just as much, if not more. And I think that we've been closed off to that just because of, you know, just preconceptions or misconceptions that we've had, like, just growing up in society. So, and and I think that kind of speaks mm-hmm. to like, just, just American culture, like to, uh, to um, how obnoxious a lot of, um, <laughs> how how we've how we've been conditioned um to think to think things should be or to think to think like how things you know um should always be i will say so it's it's definitely cool to see like cultures um changing and i mean i i still think that um I mean, I actually, I hope at some point we can maybe see in some in some sports where we can actually see like, you know, women, some women competing against men. You now somewhere down the line, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if it, that can happen like you know like every sport, but it'd be I think that's something that we should be open to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I agree with uh, this. It is it is great to see, and I think. I, you know, we still have so so much left to go. I think we have so much room for growth in, in this because it's going to take the buy-in from the ownership of these teams to be able to allow that to happen, to Coach Natty T's point. I think there's a handful of teams in basketball that can kind of pave the way for that. I think it takes the bravery of one team get it going and another team starts to go, you know, because we've seen a progression of like, well, your coach has to be old and gray to be able to know how to coach this. Oh, okay. Well, we got, we got these young cats coming in now, tearing up the NFL and, and, and the NBA and know their stuff. Uh, and so I think it's going to be a, a long-term process for women, but I, I could see, I could see it happen in San Antonio. I could see it happening in Dallas um, I can see it happen when a couple of these teams we're talking about uh, basketball, that is. So I, I can see those things happening. And it, it's going to take those teams to just say, hey, we want to set a standard here because mm-hmm. these folks are, are, you know, these women are qualified and they've been shut out for too long. Not even getting interviews or just having a dog and pony show for an interview. Like, hey, just to say we interviewed a woman, you know, and that that overlaps with how we feel in the black community is like, oh, OK, you just want to say you uh, interviewed a black guy just to make it look good, you know, but you're not, you were seriously considering us. Uh, and Becky Hammond's case, she may be, I think she's going to be the first one in basketball. I think she's going to be the first one in basketball. I think the staff <clears throat> over there has kind of mapped this out and, and, and it's going to make it ready for her to take over. And, you know, like, like you are saying, I mean, they know the game. I mean, you got men out here coaching sports that they never played. Like, just think about that. Like, like for real. 
like some of these guys like they never played football. You know, they love the game, but they never been around football. So, um, you know, think about it from a person that's actually played the game and is able to relay that message. I, I would have liked to ha- have seen Popovich give Becky Hammond the reins when he got tossed out, not the last time, but the time before that. He actually gave the coaching duties to Tim Duncan at that time. I I would have preferred him to, to give that to Becky Hammond. To, yeah, they played against Charlotte. That's what, yeah, it was a yeah. game at Charlotte. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, but he did it the last time. And so, you know, everyone was talking about how good that was. Uh, and, and it was it was a, a step, right? It's a, it's a step in the process. I look at the Miami Marlins as a team that took that 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 first step, hiring the first general manager in baseball, in Major League Baseball. And I want I want I want everyone out there to look at Kim Ng's resume. Obviously, one of the most qualified people to manage a team. And, and people didn't didn't recognize it. I mean, you're talking about she and she started as an intern for the Chicago White Sox, uh, and she graduated from University of Chicago. So she did a lot of MLB front office work, uh, like charting pitches and organizing information for the player drafts. And then she was able to move up and serve as an assistant general manager for the Yankees and the Dodgers. And so she worked at the MLB headquarters for a minute as a senior vice president of baseball operations. So this woman, she knows baseball. Like there's no, there's no reason why she shouldn't be considered for that. And so you look at all the other tracks that other women are having. You saw baseball. Uh, what was it with the Chicago White? I think it was Chicago White Sox. Um, got a, a, a woman on their staff as, as one of the head people on their staff too. So it's great to be able to see these things. Uh, but, you know, I, I just got to say baseball is kind of ahead of the curve right now as far as getting implementing people in some of the power positions right now. So I like to see the other sports be more aggressive with that. Uh, I know the NFL is really good as far as the position coaches thing. Uh but I think basketball has the has the next up that they are next to step. I look at people like Don Staley um, and and Becky Hammond and you know Sue Bird if she wanted to coach and all these other players that it's like man, you know and some in a lot of ways they are more you know sound and and knowing basketball than some of these other people that have gotten head coaching jobs like Talu like oh gee oh lord. This was not the place to slide in a tie like this. This was not the place. No, but that that's that's just kind of how I feel about things. But I I, I want to see things happen a little, uh, quicker, and I just hope people give folks a fair shot. I don't want it to see where like, you know, we look at the, this guy in, in, for Houston just got hired as the Houston Texans coach. Deshaun Watson don't want to be there. JJ Watt just you know got released. Mm-hmm. How effective do you expect that coach to be? Mm-hmm. And then they say, "Oh well, we gave a black guy a chance. Look what happened." I don't want to see that happen with women either. I want people to get a, a fair shot at it at coaching. But I think Coach K, I think I made a tremendous point with regards to just the the bias, the preconceived biases that we have. Because mm-hmm. even um, the last time when um, when Becky Hammond actually took over when Pop got thrown out when they were mm-hmm. playing the Lakers, and and, and, and I'm not accusing LeBron of anything. I'm just speaking to just the assumed biases that we have. Because he said after the game that, you know, they asked him how he felt, you know, seeing Becky Hammond coach. And he said, I thought he said something interesting. And again, I'm not accusing him of anything. And I don't think he meant anything by saying it. I think he was in a positive mentality when he said it. But he said, 
you know, yeah, you know, it was great to hear her, you know, calling sets. It's like, man, she really knows what she's talking about. Like, like he was surprised that she knew what he, she was talking about. Yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. And again, I'm not not accusing him of anything. I'm not saying that he thinks that she doesn't know what she's doing. I'm just saying it just speaks to, again, to Coach K's point about just those preconceived notions that we have of how things are, or how we think things should be. When in reality, it doesn't make any sense. Because I'm like, yo, Becky Hammond, like, she can hoop. Like, why wouldn't she know what a normal basketball set is? Like, she's played professional basketball. Obviously, it was a WNBA. She's played in Russia. She's represented Russia in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's been on Coach Pop's staff for, what, over six, seven years now? At least. So, yeah, she knows how to call sets. Like, that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, it's just stuff like that that... You know, those are the sort of things that have to just kind of be that that mindset has to be recalibrated. Yes. You know, in terms of society, Mm -hmm. because, again, we can speak to that with, you know, with African-Americans. We can go we can go real deep with that. But Mm -hmm. it's just it's just those those little things. That's just like, oh, yeah, it's good to hear her call some sense. She sounds like she knows what she's doing. Like, yeah, she knows what she's doing. Like, yeah, like. This ain't her first day, you know. This ain't the first time around the block, you know. Yeah, like you know what I'm saying. So I again, it, it's that that just speaks to that point, and you know, and I think sometimes, unfortunately, time just it seems to be the thing that just kind of erases those things. You would think common sense just says, "Oh yeah, Becky Hammond. Oh yeah, Nancy Lieberman. Oh, yeah. yeah, Doris Burke." Like you tell me, she don't hey, know basketball. Bird knows basketball. I, I enjoy yeah. listening to her commentate the games. Yeah, exactly. So you know what I'm saying. Like if she, like she could definitely be a coach. You know what I'm saying. So I don't know. That's just that's, that's just my thoughts about it. I think it should just make it more like a. I think also there needs to be like a push from the networks too because yeah, whenever whenever you like whenever I get on you know. <clears throat> Whenever I get, man, I can't, I can't think of, uh, okay, so like on, on, uh, whenever I watch First Take, I, I, I can't think of, of what her name is now, but like, whenever I watch that show, I, it almost, and nothing against, I'm not, nothing against like Stephen A. I, it's, actually, you know, I don't even really find it. <laughs> <laughs> his opinions valid most of the time but like i don't know it's just like how like i like she'll be asking him a question oh you mean uh molly karen molly karen rose i should say yeah <laughs> he treats her like like absolute totally disrespectful like sometimes she'll be trying to make a point and he'll like disregard her point and just different things like that i mean i don't know what what their camaraderie is like on the show, but like that's what it seems like to me is like he always downplays her like opinions and different things like that. And I think we need to see more, you know, um, there needs to be more of an equal share of like um, analysts out there as far as not women shouldn't just be interviewing people. They can do more than that. Yes. Yeah. I agree. With so you. that's, that's, yeah. So I, I mean, not, you. yeah, not only from like, you know, um, seeing like, like on staff, but also like actually, uh, yeah, maybe just have more women analysts too. Just like not not just interviewing people. 
yeah, or interviewing and, the players. And more women analysts in male sports, you know, because you see the women mm-hmm. analysts, but they show up in women's sports, you know, yeah. predominantly, you know, but right. yeah, yeah, that crossover needs to happen. And I think it's, it's a key time for, you know, men who want to see this change to utilize their privilege uh, in order mm-hmm. to, to um, give support and, and, and give the, ped- you know, the, the platform uh, to women who want to embark on these opportunities to be able to utilize yes. their voice, give props where props are due. And that's why I do respect Coach Arians, always giving props to his staff, all staff of color, yeah. pretty much. That, I forgot. Yeah, I was like, yeah, his whole staff is all black dudes. All like, black yo. dudes and one woman of color. Like, so I was like, like yo, yeah. Bruce Arians is the blackest white old head coach in the, in the <laughs> NFL. Like, he's the blackest white dude you ever see. Yeah, I, um, I I think um, I like watching the show Golik and, and, and Chine. Uh, I always butcher her name. I apologize. But yeah, Chine is really good at, at um, being an analyst, too. Mm-hmm. And I can see her. I think she needs more uh, airtime on some of these shows. Even uh, like Rachel Nichols, she always oh yes, great sure. job from a basketball. Yeah, I mean, she's because yep. any. Yeah, she's she's solid. Yeah, very solid. Yeah. So. You know, f- future looks looks pretty good, but we could do better. We can move a little oh, bit quicker, for sure. Yeah, when I see, yeah, I saw that Bruce Arians that coaching staff picture. I was like, yeah, oh was my like, gosh, no, they really all brothers on here, dog. Yeah. Man, no yeah. matter why they beat Kansas City down like that, they got a bunch yeah. of brothers on the coaching staff. They, kept, they broke it down, kept it real. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so it, it, it's going to have a cultural impact and a positive one too. You know, if we just put our egos and, and privileges, you know. And just say, hey, you know, people deserve to be in here in this seat at this table that haven't been here before. Uh, and speaking of cultural impact, our culture mm-hmm. impact section for today, who had the bigger cultural impact, MJ or AI? <sighs> this this one this this one hit my heart really hard. Um, but I'll I'll start I'll start with you, uh, Coach K. Who do you think had the bigger culture impact, Jordan or Iverson? I clean my glasses off for this. <laughs> you are literally cleaning your glasses. Right yeah. Ah. Uh, yes. I may put his glasses on and start blinking like he couldn't see. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I mean. Uh, culture man it's hard this one's hard it, it's it's a tough one because like at first at first like it's a deceptive question because i'm like the obvious answer like oh of course it's, it's mj but really there's there's more there's more layers to this than than what people actually think now me i'm a i'm a if you michael jordan is my favorite nba player all time like hands down um was I mad? Was I mad when AI lost in the finals to the uh, to the Lakers? <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't. So I mean, I was, I, I... also you were rooting for Ty Lue and the Lakers, is what you're saying. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't coaching at that point. <laughs> it was only it, the only problem I had with him was when he picked up that picked up that clipboard. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so yeah, you're good with player Tyra Lou, just not coach. Tyler. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so I, 
a couple things uh, as far as like changing NBA culture. I have to go. I don't know. I kind of look at it in like a couple different sections. So like as far as changing NBA culture, I have to go with AI on this one, um, mm. just because because he did what he wanted, tattoos, you know, everything like that. That I feel like that changed the entire look and feel of the NBA as, as what as is and made it kind of like what it is today. Um, as far as like, I mean, obviously shoe culture. Obviously, like you got yeah. Jordan there, right? Um, and 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 then I it kind of goes back to like what what makes up, man. <sighs> yeah, this 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 is tough. This is tough, y'all. It's tough, man. I'm like, gonna need y'all stop putting these topics in the chat, man. Over here, got sorry, you gotta give it headaches uh, and stuff. I don't know, man. Can't be stressed. I. <laughs> I'm gonna stress all the way out. I sneaker. I mean, okay. So let me ask. Let me ask this question: Would without Michael Jordan in the NBA, do you think do you think sneaker culture would be what it is today without the, without Mike? No. 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 Not even close. Because I'm afraid if Jordan didn't have that impact in 84, Iverson wouldn't have had that impact in the mid-90s, 97, 96, right. 97. With that in mind, I have to I I kind of have to go with Jordan because I feel like he started it all. Like the commercials, like Mike, everything. Like that that was that kind of paved the way for for everybody else who came through. So I, I gotta go with Jordan. It's 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 super tough to like to to kind of think through all the different like caveats to this argument and everything, but I, I gotta go with Jordan. And I might be I might just be doing this just to save my own mind because I feel like I'm about to lose <laughs> it right now, just trying to trying to think about this topic. Yeah. All right. We got MJ final answer. Yeah. MJ final answer. Okay. All right. Whew. Coach Natty T, MJ or AI? Yeah, but this is my fault. This is my question. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh. and I guess I'm going to cheat because I should have broke down the question a little bit better because I think I think you have to go two directions and coach K you alluded to it already. I, when we talk about culture, I think there's a societal aspect of it. And then there's the actual NBA aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Societal. I've got to go Jordan because he started it. And the, the, the sneaker legacy is just, I mean, it's up there with like the Bible in terms of legend. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, yeah. but I hate yeah. to say yeah. that, but like in all seriousness, like you know what I'm saying? Like, who doesn't played in 20 years and still has the top selling basketball sneaker? Right. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. I mean, and then again, we we've talked, we kind of dibbled with it a little bit in past shows, but you know, I mean, with 
the the infusion of this kind of remixed Jordan line, you know, with the off whites, with you know the Union LAs, with the Travis Scotts. I mean, it it just it creates this whole reinvention of this kind of cult like culture with sneakers, specifically yeah. with Jordan. Yeah. I mean, you got I mean Jordans are being worn at like Paris Fashion Week. Like that yeah. is a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. huge. We're talking like, you know, Gianni Versace. I mean, these are the type of fashion that's supposed to be at Paris Fashion Week. Mm-hmm. Not off-white Jordans as part of an <laughs> outfit. Like that is just unbelievable. I mean, that is mind-blowing to me. But <sighs> breaking it down more going towards the NBA side I think it's Iverson um I think mm-hmm. as much as African Americans have been have made their imprint on the game of basketball and with the creation of hip-hop it was always there festering mm-hmm. in terms of the the impact as it had on the NBA but it didn't really come to the forefront until Allen Iverson. I think Allen Iverson made it more, I guess, tying it into the the, the societal aspect of it. Yeah. He made the hip hop aspect of being infused with sports acceptable. Mm-hmm. And I'm going across sports here. I'm not even going just NBA. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think he made hip hop acceptable not just only as, and again, I, I'm gonna go there. <laughs> the you know, established white elite mm-hmm. was able to look at guys like Allen Iverson and accept Allen Iverson for who he is. That's huge. Yeah. You had suburb, I because I grew up in, yeah, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, or Westerville, Ohio, for those that don't know. That's middle upper class white. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you see when you can see little white kids and the dad going to a Philly game with an Iverson jersey on, yeah, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And you know he's wearing the little sleeve and the headband. That's that is impact. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So from that angle, I gotta go with Iverson because again, I think without Iverson, he took so much shrapnel Man. for guys like LeBron, for guys like Russell Westwood who's wearing all this crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. But out Iverson, that's not possible. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think, and then the, the thing that's sad is, I think a lot of the youth now, they I don't think they even realize the importance of Allen Iverson of the time and when he came yes. and to how the NBA is now. Because even from a marketing standpoint from the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. The NBA, I mean, they always kind of flirted with the idea of hip hop as it even just simple things like when they're doing the promo for a game and they're playing a hip hop song in the background. Yes. Or when they're making these transitional, you know, um, those transitional moments when they're going from, you know, one section to another section or going from one mm-hmm. game to another They got game. the DJs. They got the they got, DJs. They going. got yeah. the, the music that's in the background. Mm-hmm. It never used to be like that until Allen Iverson made it acceptable in terms of him being who he is and being accepted. Mm-hmm. So 
I got to go with Iverson when it comes to NBA culture and even just sports culture as a whole. I don't think without Allen Iverson, even in the NFL, the NFL has kind of shifted to more of a more urban kind of hip-hop dynamic. It's been infused more. Mm-hmm. I think you can credit Allen Iverson for that because a lot of the players identified with Allen Iverson because a lot of the players come from where he's coming from, right? So guys like Michael Vick, I mean, they all looked up to AI. They were like, yo, yeah, AI was my idol. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And him coming to the NFL and kind of bringing that same energy is what made it acceptable. Mm-hmm. So I think from from that perspective, AI mm-hmm. had the bigger impact. But from a societal perspective, I think Jordan had, had the longer lasting impact. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, it's a, it's a tough question. I, I struggled mightily with this one because I looked at the different avenues as well. Uh, and, you know, just, just for our younger uh, listeners, it, it, as Coach Natty T said, look at how the players are dressing right now. Uh, look at the the bravado that some of the players are carrying. Just the whole swag. The whole I mean, swag. Like, Even in AI. football. Like yeah. Cam Newton's swag. Like yeah. AI was that before Cam Newton. You know, yep. so like I, it, it's, it's one of those things where he was unapologetically himself mm-hmm. and 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 so unapologetically his definition of black what black meant to him what being black meant to him and, the, and what he grew up in uh being in virginia and, and and coming from poverty and getting to this this space as a basketball player he said i'm still going to be myself no matter how much money i have and i don't have to please anyone Right. I don't I don't have I don't you know, I, I don't have to appease really anyone here. I'm going to dress the way I want to dress, but I'm going to give you everything I got on the court. OK, so what you're paying me to do, I'm not going to shortchange you on that. OK, but I, I but leave me alone when it comes to the other stuff. OK, like just let me do me. I mean, this is a guy that whenever he would travel, he wouldn't bring clothes with him when he would travel. <laughs> I mean, this dude would just buy clothes, buy new clothes wherever he went. And he would just leave the clothes at the hotel. Like, you know, so he wouldn't even bring the new clothes that he bought with him to the next destination. Mm-hmm. This dude carried a duffel bag full of money and would bring it to pa- practice with him. And I know this because I know someone that um, was trying out for the 76ers. And so he got a chance to scrimmage against Iverson and saw this firsthand. You know, so like he's <laughs> telling me like, bro, like this was nuts. Like I've never seen that before. Like you got ADG in a duffel bag right now. <laughs> Talking about after practice, we gonna go, we gonna go, you know, shopping. We gonna go this, you know. That's just who he was. I, and I think what what happened is the media started to attack him and and stereotype him, but he never backed down. He and, and to his credit, he never backed down. And and to to a certain extent, he was a martyr for a lot of the players that we're seeing today. He took the blows, the 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 change of dress code that David Stern implemented on the NBA was because of Allen Iverson. That was called the <laughs> Allen Iverson rule. That's yeah. why they had to come all buttoned up and dressed up and stuff like that because they didn't like the street presence. David Stern didn't like the street presence, and that that has since changed. And so when you have people, you know, wearing what they want to wear, that's because of AI. Also, I, I mean, there's no comparison with with the shoe aspect of it, there's no comparison at all. Like Jordan is unrivaled in that category, even though Iverson did have a good 
branding presence during his time. It just didn't really last after he stopped playing basketball. But during the time, he had some golden commercials out there, you know, with, with Jada Kiss as a, someone that was sponsoring Reebok. The questions are still in the conversation as generations are still buying them. Mm-hmm. And I think we, our generation needs to do a better job of telling Allen Iverson's legacy. And I think that's why this question is so important is that people know where this stuff came from. Uh, but, you know, he held Reebok down. You know, Sean Kemp had already left. Uh, you know, Shaq was another Reebok person, but like he held Reebok down so by himself pretty much as far as the NBA is concerned. Mm-hmm. Jordan's presence in basketball and the way the game of basketball is being played has faded, to be, to be quite honest. You know, we saw, we saw a Kobe Bryant, we saw a Vince Carter, and it kind of reminded us of the, the, the era, aerial attack that Jordan brought to the game. But now you got more of a perimeter game. But what has not, and Iverson wasn't the greatest perimeter shooter, but he did shoot perimeter shots. He wasn't the greatest high, high percentage shooter, but he could put the ball in the basket. But what has to the test of time, that man had the rock on a string. So for every fan of the way Steph handles the ball, the way Kyrie Irving handles the ball, the way Damian Lillard handles the ball and all these guys out there, that's AI. AI started on it. He brought the street part of basketball into that where literally, I, I think a lot of us could attest going through school, we would see cats out there. They're not practicing their jump shot. They're practicing their handles. Handles. Because they wanted to cross the crap out of somebody when they got a chance to. Some of them couldn't shoot worth anything but they had you couldn't take the ball from them and and that was the thing you know so everyone practices the three-pointer that Steph is doing now so imagine that for everyone practicing their handles you know so that has stood the test I think Iverson's game and what he was really good at has stood the test of time uh, as far as the way basketball is played you know for those who don't know Iverson did have his own brand he had his own fashion Uh, and so even though in hip-hop you didn't see a lot of people wearing Iverson things necessarily. You would see people wearing jerseys, though. You would see people wearing his jersey, but maybe not as much of his Reebok stuff as you saw with Jordan stuff. But his style was all in the rap videos, you know, because he mirrored that. He was from that, and he didn't want to abandon that part of his identity. And that gave him so much, even more respect than I think Jordan had as far as that hip-hop to basketball blend. And at that time, for those of you that are, are young and don't remember and one basketball, he also mirrored that. So that's the street ball part that we're talking about. So going to record part, you know, going to, to the GOAT, you know, going to all the, you know, these, these famous courts, uh, you know, the Venice Beach court. You know, so looking at street basketball, uh, Iverson embodied that to a T. I mean, there's a reason why video game franchises infused a street ball mode into their video games, right? Mm-hmm. Some a lot of that is because of Iverson bringing that to the mainstream, uh, and so I think he deserves a lot of credit, a lot more credit than what he's getting uh, for for those things. And to your point about music, for those of us who have been playing video games long enough, if you listen to the to even the last couple Madden's, what music is being played in that game? Hip hop. Now, when we were younger, it was rock. It was yeah. rock music, what right? Saying, yeah. yeah. You had you had good Charlotte and Fallout Boy, and it, it you did have Ludacris do the intro to one. But so hip hop was just kind of like a footnote. Like you had maybe a song <laughs> on there, right? 
and then you gravitate and now it's a lot of hip hop music being played on that. The NBA literally put out a hip hop soundtrack, the NBA Live 2005, I believe, is one of my favorite mm -hmm. games growing up by EA mm -hmm. Sports. They accompanied the video game with a disc soundtrack to it, all mm -hmm. hip hop. Mm -hmm. And you see that infused in every basketball game since. So that, that has a lot to do with Iverson's presence and the presence of others, of course, but Iverson is a pioneer of that. Uh, if I had to choose one, I would pick, I would pick Jordan only because I think his on-court success enabled his legacy to last longer than Allen Iverson. So when we talk about sustainability, mm -hmm. Jordan is still highly regarded as the GOAT in basketball by a lot of people. And he has the sneaker game on lock and the clothing game on lock. So for that, I give it to Jordan, but not by as much of a margin as people may think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I can give the clothing game to Jordan because he dresses like a... <laughs> a, a Listen. He dresses like a an, an uncle in his sixties at the barbecue. I'm like, how is someone <laughs> that put out all of these like dope clothes? I'm not able to dress, bro. Like, I don't understand. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, he's horrible. Yeah. yeah, but he's um, just still he he bought all them suits. I think think Coach Wake Up said it's on the uh, when we were watching the the Last Dance because he he's like, listen, I spent all this money on them suits in the nineties. I'm still wearing it now. <laughs> <laughs> But that's how he dresses. That's how he dresses. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, um, I think I think one of the things too, um, I know you said we need to do a better job of informing, you know, uh the younger generation of of Iverson's legacy. I agree with that. And I also agree that um I think the NBA like ESPN does as well because I feel like they kind of they I feel like they kind of choose bits and pieces that kind of fit the narrative. I mean, you like, you'll see a, like an AI documentary about like how he overcame, like, uh, you know, uh, growing up, growing up um, and like, you know, his story from how he, how he got into the NBA and like Georgetown and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they talk about, uh, talk enough about the part of, of how much he kind of went against the grain of like what, <clears throat> or the norm of what the, the typical NBA player should be. Mm -hmm. They we choose to remember him as like a top five, you know, all time top five point guard versus like you know like a culture changing icon. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at how explosive your Russell Westbrooks, your your John Morant's, your John Walls, all these guards. And that was another thing that was revolutionary about Iverson is that he was coming on the in the middle of an era where the big men was a little bit more prominent and a lot of, for a lot of teams and the, and the guards were more of like, okay, if you're a shooting guard, then yeah, like you're going to, you're going to put up some points, but as our primary ball handler, you're expected to facilitate more than anything. And Iverson said, that's not my game, but I'll share the ball for sure, but I'm going to get buckets too. And, and, and so like that, he, and so we see, you know, your Westbrooks and your Kyrie's and stuff like that coming out there. That's that's Iverson's game. Like he kind of started that that transition into a guard could be our primary scorer, even if it's our point guard. And we'll find a way to make sure he shares the rock and everything like that. But you can look for your offense first too, and it's okay. That wasn't always the game plan in the NBA. 
Uh, and so he kind of straddled gener- two different generations of basketball. He kind of ushered in that the what we're seeing now as as a guard league that not everyone, not all the guards are the best passers, but man, they could put the ball in the basket. They could put on the show. Cause you're talking about a dude like everybody talks about LeBron's teams that he took far into the playoffs. Allen Iverson literally played with I, I and I want I want my basketball listeners out here. I want them to be able to say if you heard of these names before. <laughs> Matt Geiger, George Lynch, Tyrone Hill, Eric Snow, six man Aaron McKee. Now, later down the road, he got an older Dikembe Mutombo. So that was a, and that's the year that they went to the finals. But I mean, it was an older version of, of Dikembe Mutombo. You had Todd McCullough. Todd McCullough, golly. <laughs> you know, you, you had um, <clears throat> Rajah Bell at times, Larry Hughes. Like, you know, these are the guys that he was playing with. <laughs> and he took the team to the finals and actually and actually won a game won against a the game. Lakers Who like like Kobe Shaq Lakers prime in, Lakers in their prime 2001 like they won the a championship team. already it wasn't like oh this is the first go around like they actually won a championship back in the finals they actually won they swept everybody up to that point yes still and he actually it. won a game and that's why when people say, oh, well, in 07, LeBron was outmatched by the Spurs. So they're, you know, and that's why kind of we look at the game as like, okay, maybe you don't aren't expected to win. That makes sense. But you can't get a game off San Antonio. <laughs> when Iverson was able to get a game on the Lakers. He's by himself. By himself. And I would take LeBron's 07 roster off of, uh, over uh, Iverson's 01 roster. In yeah. a heart. Oh. In a heart. At least Matumbo had the defensive player of the year that year. Yes. Yeah. He because they, they had six man of the year, but I think it's, it's by virtue of winning too, because they went on like a 31 game winning streak or something, something ridiculous yeah. that year. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at, hey, you're the number one team, I'm gonna look at your coach, I'm gonna look at the six man, I'm gonna look at defensive player of the year, you know, the came in Matumbo, but he was no match for Shaq. No match for a prime Shaq. Like, that wasn't going to happen. He was getting bullied pretty much for, for five games. No, but, I mean, that that's what that's what their team – I mean, they're – because he was a defensive player of the year, and then I think, you know, I mean, their six-man was based off defense too. Yeah. I mean, literally true. their offense was Iverson shooting, and then, like, they were such a good offensive rebounding team. Like, basically that's how their assist came. Like, when Iverson would miss, it's like, all right, let's just get the ball back and then do a putback. Like that was literally it. That was their offense. <laughs> that was their offense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin Ali was also one of those teams. So like, a lot of the listeners are like, "Who?" I'm like, "Exactly, yeah, exactly." exactly. Uh, and we we did forget to mention the not only the clothing but the hairstyle. You know, mm-hmm. and so I think when you look at the braid generation, which is coming back a little bit mm-hmm. more now. I mean, you had cats. Literally, I personally can testify that I got braids because of Allen Iverson. <laughs> because yeah. I liked him so much. I had his clothes. I had his shoes. And I had Jordan stuff, too. But I never wanted to be bald. But I did want braids. And, right. and that was very prominent. Uh, then you start to see Carmelo come in with braids. And all these even the, um, Davis. Even, I think, just, just tattoos. Tattoos. Yep. 
tattoos. Nobody had cool. tattoos before AI. I mean, even Kobe got a tattoo for goodness sakes. Yeah, Luca got one now too. I saw <laughs> it the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's straight crazy. up, like all tatted up. Like before, before AI, like that was the thing. That was not a thing. That was not yeah. a thing. So, yeah, big props to the to the dude AI. One of one of my favorite players of all time. One of my favorites. It's hard. It's like, it, especially you know, for some of you know our, our younger viewers or, or listeners, I should say, it's just it's hard to explain, man. Because it's really? like when we, you know, because when we were, you know, teenagers at that time, it was just something. It I don't know. That that time was just very special. It, it really was. was. It, and it, again, it was like because for me, like AI. I mean, AI is my favorite player of all time. It's actually not Michael. My favorite mm. player of all time is mm. Allen Iverson. It is. Yeah. I yeah. mean, but Jordan. I think Jordan's the best. But my my favorite guy was was it was AI man. I mean, he it just, and I think his his size, the way he played. You know, and then in an era where it was still kind of that physical hand checking, big men type of game, yeah. and you see this dude, six foot, one hundred sixty pounds, soaking wet, like mm-hmm. he would play like how Russell Westbrook plays. To your point, like this dude wasn't just shooting threes, Mm-mm. like he's literally going into the basket and would just get pummeled, pummeled, and just get this crash on the floor every single night yes. and get back up and do the same thing over and over again. I mean, it was a, it was something to see, man. Dude, I, want you, I want people to go out there on Google and type in Allen Iverson injury chart. This man pretty much hurt every bone in his body, every muscle in his body yeah, because like he was he, getting hit so much. Yeah, I mean, he it, it was something special to see, man. He, he really was something special. Of course, you know, towards the end, it it just didn't end as as we hoped it would, but right. man, like those prime years, man, it was it, it was something to see, man. It, it was hard. It yeah. it was therapeutic for the game of basketball in a way because Jordan was on his way out, and yeah. everyone was like, mm-hmm. "Who's going to take this mantle for basketball? Who's going to make? Who's going to be the next exciting player?" Allen Iverson was one of those people that you were scared to miss a game because you might miss something great that yeah. night. And more often than not, Allen Iverson delivered on that. Like you were going to see something perhaps you've never seen before. Uh, and I mean, I used to record the 76ers games. Mm-hmm. Even if I got a chance to watch it, I would still record it so I can watch it later because then you're able to kind of see the intricacies of like, how in the world did this dude do that? Like, yeah, man. like there's no way. And, and six foot is very generous. He was listed at six foot, but he was more like, like five, 10, five, 11, maybe. Maybe, yeah. You know? Yeah. Every, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he yeah, he's he, something special, man. He took yeah, the mantle of basketball. He took the mantle of basketball, put it on his back, and he said, "I got this." Uh, and so, even though he wasn't the winningest player throughout that stretch, he definitely was the most iconic player after that stretch. Um, mm-hmm. After Jordan had left the game, before he came back as a wizard, but still, AI was still able to hold his own even when Jordan came back and was still playing well. You know, so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, man. That brings back so many memories, man. It really does, man. Because, <laughs> yeah, Alan Iverson, man. It, it was it, – it's hard to describe. Yeah, people wearing headbands and wristbands as, like, yeah. fashion wear. Like, people yeah. were wearing that to school and not hoop at all. 
Like you didn't mm-hmm. step foot on the court, but you look like you played basketball because of that. What, what do you got? Who do you like? I guess in today's game, like who do you think is the closest to not necessarily Allen Iverson's game, but just in terms of that that feeling? And I guess you know we're older, so you know we're not teenagers looking at the game like, oh man. Yeah. I, I mean, I I guess it's probably Steph. It is. That's who came to my mind. He captured. The attention he changed the way kids play basketball, yeah. just like Iverson did, because we couldn't dunk like Mike and and be a high flyer like that and hang in the air. But man, if we worked on our handles enough, we could be dangerous. Like we could get past yeah. the person. We could make someone look silly. Just like Curry, if I could work on this shot enough, I could do that. Yeah. No matter how tall I am. Yeah, I guess I guess it would be stuff. Because I'm because I keep thinking I'm like, man, these kids they missed out on AI. They just don't know. And they he got an MVP. Know. And he was yeah. the MVP of the league too. Yeah, yeah. Like they don't, but I but I guess I guess I guess Steph would be that guy technically now. But I just don't know if he has that like from a know. from a cultural <laughs> from a cultural perspective, like a you know what I mean? I see the on court, but like from a cultural perspective, because yeah, like his shoes are like too to He's happen. too clean. He's too clean. Because yeah. like, because like you said, James. Like you said, James. Like you wore braids because of Allen Iverson. Yeah. Like you, like because I remember, like we we used to have like just the whole the whole look, like the baggy clothes. Mm-hmm. Like that was AI. That was that whole even like you know the whole bandana joint with the yeah. braids. Like, yeah. that was AI. Like I don't know if if I don't know if kids have that person. I mean, obviously there's hip hop yes. artists that they follow, but like a yes. person in professional sports that they can really mm, emulate to that level. I don't know. I I feel like I feel like um, I don't know, if if like Steph Curry was to approach like I don't know, like a Travis Scott or something you know, on some type of partnership level, like, I feel like Travis Scott would be like, look, I can't, man, because these shoes are trash. <laughs> like, his shoes are trash, man. I don't yeah, know, like... that's what I'm saying. I think people respect, obviously, from on the court, but I don't yeah, see, like, like, kids, like, there's to dress like Steph or... That's a good point. You know there's what I mean? Some, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There's no, there's nothing culture changing about him. And I guess, like, if 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 he if he could be more successful, I would probably say like a Russell Westbrook. But he doesn't have I don't know just because like I at one point like when when uh his style is too expensive even though he be wearing well, crazy stuff. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like three hundred dollars, and it's well, barely a shirt. He barely got a shirt on. I'm looking at it more from like a uh, perspective of like when when KD left him. Mm-hmm. And Russell Westbrook was like, I ain't going nowhere. And I was kind of like, I was on board with him. I wanted to see what he's going to do, but he didn't really do anything other than get the MVP. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I could – I'm probably – I'll probably catch some slack for this, but I'm going to say Kyrie. <laughs> I'm going to say Kyrie because I feel like Kyrie kind of walks to the tune of his own beat. He does whatever he wants. But when the time comes, he'll still come out there and ball. Like, his game doesn't change. Kyrie is not a bad answer, and I will raise you uh, Damian Lillard. Mm. Now, because Lillard embodies the street fact, Iverson rapped too. And so now you have that hip-hop aspect. Uh, You know, 
the the ball handles, the hey, this is my team, I'm not going anywhere mentality. That's also Damian Lillard. But he's a very likable human, just like Iverson was. Like if you actually like put your biases aside, like Iverson was was a, a very nice person. He's a very nice person. Like he's a very, you know, good dude to be around. People have fun around him. Damian Lillard doesn't quite have the the same personality per se that Iverson did. Like the Lillard has more of a filter than Iverson did. I'll, I'll just put it that way, more of a filter. But I think when it comes to the excitement of watching someone, the hip hop aspect, shoes are okay. You know, I, I think though the way they play the game is similar too. Uh, he's almost a continuation of Allen Iverson in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I and yeah, Kyrie, Damian Lillard. I mean, those those are good answers. I guess I just, I don't know, man. I guess, I guess I'm just sounding like that old head, like talking about back <laughs> in my day. Now you're right. There's no because, comparison, really. Because the thing is, like, because the other thing is, Coach JP3, like, <laughs> kids were wearing shooting sleeves yes. to school, to bro. School. Who does that? People was in chess club with headbands and shooting sleeves, bro. With shooting sleeves. Oh. Well, like, let me ask this. I don't see kids doing that. Mm-mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, <sighs> let me let me ask this oh. question: What's the next thing? What's the what's what's the next thing that could shift the NBA's culture? Man, see, that, that's got to be that's got to be a topic for next episode because that that and, is a loaded question. Yeah, I got this. Yeah, you because, mean on the court or off the court or both? I mean, I I guess I'm just like what's what could what is supposed to be like what's the next shift because as far as far as the NBA goes, like I mean, how 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 much further can it can can we advance it, you know? I mean, I feel like we we've seen the superstar teams, we've seen I just I just don't know what what more they can do, other than I th- I think a route that they could go and we're starting to see it is a little bit of the old mixed with a little bit of the new, and what I mean by that on the court I can't speak for off the court I gotta think about that a little bit more but on the court we talked about Embiid and Jokic and folks like that the return of the big man. Uh, because the way Joel Embiid is dominating the game, the way Jokic is dominating the game is not all on the perimeter. And so people were talking about the European game, the big, you know, shooting threes and and playing from the perimeter most time. Now they're getting out on the block too, and they're putting in work to be able to do that. I think we're going to see is just kind of like that pendulum that seems to be happening in sports sometimes where it swings back another way. But these guys also have the ability to shoot from the perimeter as well. So I think we're gonna see the best of both worlds. The centers that we grew up with merge with the centers uh, of the last maybe 10 to 15 years or so coming together. And that's how they're gonna be rolling it out. I see that in the big men position, not so much. I don't see the guards holding back and being better facilitators necessarily, uh, but I see it in the big men. Okay. I guess I was more, go ahead. Not that when you meant like more more culturally, like from a culture yeah, shift. I, I was thinking, yeah, like more culturally, like I don't know. I think I think more of like you know, 
just thinking out loud, but like if you had like an everyday man just like walk in out of nowhere and walk onto an NBA team, try out, make the team. Man, uh, that's I, I wrote that that's gonna be a question for next week. We should keep okay. that for next week. Okay. I just wrote that on now. Okay. Because uh, to your point, and again, I think we've been talking about this at Coach JP3, you just mentioned Jokic and Embiid. I think the problem with that is, from a cultural standpoint, they're not American. Is is there is there a true connection there? I don't know. So I maybe yeah, we gotta talk about this next week. I gotta think about this. All right, I'm done. (laughs) done. That's 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 a good one, Coach K. I'm tired. I'm tired of cleaning my glasses, man. That's a good one, Coach K. Though that's a good one, man. That's gonna be hard, but we'll we'll address it next week. I need to. Yeah, I need to digest that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're going to hear about it next week on the Coach's Box. So we appreciate y'all, you know, for, for tuning in. Thanks for all your support, your IG love, your downloads, uh, your uh, YouTube views. We appreciate all of that, you know. So share as you see fit. Uh, if you like what you're hearing here, if you'd like a topic to be discussed, just hit us up. Uh, the Coach's Box podcast on Instagram. Uh, just inbox us and, and we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, we got a lot of views on our uh, our last for the culture, the athletics roundtable. I was uh, privileged enough to be part of a, a group of, of athletic administrators, coaches, and trainers, and athletic directors that gave some really uh, dropped some wisdom, dropped some knowledge uh, for the people. And so, thank you for your support for that episode. Uh, and we're gonna have more of those th- kind of things to come. Uh, but man, my head hurts right now thinking about Coach K's question. I don't, man, this I don't know what direction. I gotta really think about that. But yeah, yeah, that's the kind of stuff you will hear on the coaches box. You know, this is you know this is the kind of stuff that we talk about. So appreciate your support. Uh, keep tuning in. Keep supporting. We appreciate y'all, especially those folks that are overseas. We got Russia on the map. We got India on the map. We got Australia on the map. Uh, people tuning in to us. So we appreciate the love that that you're giving uh, that you're giving us. So tune in next week. We'll be here same time, same place. Coaches box. Thank you for stepping in. Be smart, be safe, y'all.